You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. The fact of leadership and uh, some things that I had to confront my own heart and life, something that I struggled with because I started in the Ministry of Helps and I still see myself that way today. One of the things that was hard for me to do, and I had to do it just in the last few years, was deal with this, the fact that I was a leader. And I think sometimes this is some of the problems that we face as ministers. Uh, we think, well, I'm just a preacher. But you've got to also realize that you're a leader. And uh, the Lord said to me, he says, you're not going to be the leader you want to be or I need you to be until you acknowledge you're a leader. You've got to acknowledge it first. And that was a difficult thing to do. I, I know I'd run from titles, you know. Uh, titles have always been a frustration to me. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen the time when they were very important, you know what I mean? And they'd frustrate me because they were so important and didn't have them. And uh, then when I didn't care for them, I got them. And, uh, you know what I mean? It just, it just seemed like it was just a constant thing of one way or the other for me. And uh, like Brother Hagin says, you can put any label on the can, they don't put anything in the can. And I've just determined in my heart uh, that function is a whole lot better than some label. And uh, being what you are in God. But yet the Lord dealt with me about leadership, and there were certain things in the making of a leader. And yet then I would find and face some other things uh, of, 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 of leaders, and uh, even defining, you know, what a leader was. And I began to do some searching and some looking. And I don't have this on tape yet, you know what I mean? There's, there's much of this I've got to uh, begin to find a, a place where I can go, you know, just teach it out uh, and, and begin to put it together in, in, in a good perspective. But uh, I found two things that were important in the making of a leader, and uh, one of them was learning to wait, and the other one was learning to hear. And without those two, uh, you know, you're crippled, and, and you don't have one without the other. Until you learn to wait, you can't hear. And uh, most of us are trying to hear on the run, and it's, it's too difficult. And we live in a fast society. Uh, we're involved. I don't know anybody that's doing anything for God that's not busy. And yet I, I begin to look back, and uh, I begin to see that some of the biggest problems that I faced in my life were created by myself because I was not willing to wait and uh, waiting from several standpoints. Uh, really, uh, what you get into is the timing of God. It's not so much uh, that God doesn't want you to do it, it's when you do it that becomes so important. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, getting married. Uh, hey, God in, in, ordained and instituted the marriage and, and so on, but uh, when you try to do it when you're six years old, it's too soon. You need to wait. And, uh, you know, there's just a, a season for all things. And though it may be good, you need to wait for the right season. And I've seen it with young men wanting to go into the ministry. And the biggest problem was they, they didn't want to wait. So they jump out there and, and uh, you know, get their nose blooded and shin skint and, and, and struggling. And all because they didn't learn to wait. Now, there's an importance in learning to wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. In other words, that word renew there means to exchange. And you exchange weakness for strength. And uh, you get into that place because without ourselves, we can't do it. And so waiting becomes very important for us because we're able to take and make the exchange as a result of it. You get in his presence and things begin to, to affect you and, and happen for good. So uh, 
I've seen that that was a, a part for me that I had to deal with. And, of course, all through the process, one of the things that I was always dealing with was this fact that I, I felt inferior. And uh, even to the point where I felt like in what the world would consider, I, I had an inferiority complex. And uh, then, you know, I acknowledged that, recognized that, and started saying that. And the next thing you know, uh, you know, I was very conscious of it. And uh, it became even more prominent. And then when somebody defined what inferiority complex meant, I understood what all I'd gone through and what had happened to me. An inferiority, com inferiority complex is a carnal preoccupation with oneself. Are you here? <laughs> And boy, I'd almost pride myself on being in, you know, having an inferiority complex. And so uh, I began to realize I'd been so preoccupied with my own self, you know, and, and got so carnal about it. And to where I, I began to think, no, bless God, I, I don't need such a self-view. And that's what's happening to many, many of us, is uh, we're getting into that self-view. And a self-view leads to total discouragement. When you look in, you, you need to examine some things every now and then. But that's only to determine what direction you're going. Not to sit in judgment upon yourself because there is therefore now no condemnation. And yet many of us in the ministry have been walking in condemnation and uh, beating ourselves and whipping ourselves. Well, if we'd learn to wait upon the Lord, uh, that, would, that would make a difference. I believe it was Billy Graham that said, God can never use a discouraged servant. And I, lo I noticed I lost my effectiveness during that time period when I was so discouraged. And uh, so when I was so beat down, I, I lost my punch. I lost my power. And uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And you've got to go back and get into that place. Well, only waiting upon the Lord will produce that. And uh, because uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So it becomes a progression. If we maintain the joy, uh, how? Because the Bible says in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. So that waiting upon the Lord produces that element that's needed. And if you're facing problems, if you're facing difficulties, my first request of you is go get before God. Go wait upon him. Uh, that, will, uh, that will begin to bring into perspective many things. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're talking about a change in your life. It doesn't matter if you're talking about problems in the church. It doesn't matter any area of difficulty. One of the first things you want to do is go wait upon the Lord. And in waiting upon the Lord, you'll learn to hear. And uh, much of the time, uh, of course, most of you, you've heard me do the message, hear, see, do. And how the hearing, you know, is not only just hearing the words, but having the right attitude when you hear. And uh, that your attitude affects your hearing. But I begin to, to think, well, what are the hindrances to hearing? And uh, what causes us to have difficulty to hear? You know, why is it that our attitude is affected where we can't hear uh, even simple things that are said. Well, one thing is hardness of heart. Another thing is disobedience. Another one is pride will prevent that obedience. And then preconceptions. All these things will keep you from hearing the voice of God. Uh, I, I know, uh, you know, over the years I've seen it work in my own life on numerous occasions, but I guess I'm, I'm very conscious of it. Samson just said something to me earlier about how that uh, he, like me, had been taught a certain way about the discerning of spirits. And yet, uh, the, actually, the Spirit of the Lord had ministered to him one time through tongues and interpretation that he was going to operate even more so in discerning of spirits. And he kept waiting to see angels and evil spirits and hadn't seen a one. And yet, 
uh, still he has been most profound in being able to discern the hearts of the people and the spirit that they've got and has been very uh, you know uh, dramatic in, in, in what God would deal with him in and yet because of preconception uh, you know what I mean it, it keeps us from hearing what God is is saying to us in those times and uh, God wants to get us to a place to where we just get so in his presence that it's easy to hear okay and uh, get to that place then God can make us the leader now in making us the leader and learning to wait on God uh, this is where I want to deal with something as far as leadership in Joshua the first chapter in verse 1 and I'm going to read the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1 it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. And from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast." There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, there's so much in here in seeing a picture of, uh, it's talking about the death of Moses, a leader of God one of God's great generals, one who had uh, done mighty things. But even before Moses could be the leader that he needed to be, he had to go through something, and he had to learn something, and that was learn to wait. Learn to wait. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going on getting ready to talk to Joshua here about some things, but because uh, Moses is dead, you're seeing one type of leadership go off the scene, a new type of leadership come on the scene, okay? And there's a distinct difference between the two. And uh, Moses' leadership uh, could maintain and sustain, but it couldn't bring them into the fullness. And uh, so that means that methods need to change, perspective needs to change. So to do that, God's got to bring forth the instructions that will accomplish that and put that life element into it. But you remember, no doubt Moses was God's leader. And one time he was just so sure he was God's man, he jumped up and he, had, he got someone killed. Okay, and uh, see, there's no doubt that uh, uh, he was a man of authority, but the thing is, he got too quick on the trigger. And what happened? He had to go spend 40 years on the backside to where he could get where he could hear accurately. And that's the problem. If you don't learn to wait, God's going to put you in a position where you will wait. Okay? So you might as well learn it now. See? Uh, I, I used to, Brother Hagen used to make a statement all the time, says, better to be too slow than too fast. And, uh, uh, you know, for a long time I just thought that was him, you know what I mean, from his personality and his perspective. Because if you understand his perspective, and this is not a slam against him as a man, we're talking about traits as a human being, okay? 
you got to realize Brother Hagin is a procrastinator. Brother Hagin's going to wait on the last minute for everything, okay? And that's his nature. It doesn't matter what, you know what I mean? He's just, he's just that way by his, uh, uh, you know, outward nature. And, uh, you know, me, uh, I was just the opposite. I was too quick. I was on the go. I'm a doer. I mean, if it's not going to happen, I'm going to make it happen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'd always adopted that attitude. People come along and say, well, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I'd tell them, yeah, but I wasn't foreman on that job. And, uh, you know, uh, you know what I mean, man? Bless God, let's make it happen, you know. And uh, as a result, I was always jumping out and running ahead, see. And, and uh, I couldn't understand when Brother Hagin would make that statement. In my mind, I'd think, well, wouldn't it be a whole lot better just to hit it on time? You know what I mean? And it would be. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's, it's the best, the ultimate is hit it right on time. But if we are going to make a mistake, be too slow than too fast. And I couldn't peg it for a long time. And finally one day I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I know, I, he, I know he makes that statement. And I've often thought that he just made it from, you know, just from his own personality and makeup and so on like that. But uh, what's the truth of that? Why? Uh, how is that validated? And the Lord said to me, son, it's very simple. It's a whole lot easier to play catch-up than it is clean-up. And when he said that, I understood thoroughly, you know what I mean? Because when you get ahead, you run out and you make such a mess, it takes you so much longer than if you'd waited, you could have caught up real quick. Are you following me? And so if you are going to make a mistake, be too slow. And no matter what people are pressuring you into, uh, don't, don't, don't allow that to happen because uh, you'll never be what God wants. And so because Moses got too quick on the trigger, he did have to wait for 40 years. What I'm saying is some of us uh, have been frustrated over some things, but don't get frustrated over waiting on God, okay? And uh, if God's waiting on you, he'll tell you, okay? He'll tell you. And so you can be certain of it because he'll, he'll, he'll talk real straight, real direct with you, and he'll tell you, now get up and go do it. And if you don't hear it right away, he'll send somebody who'll say it, okay? He'll send somebody. So uh, realize that that's a part of it. Now, the death of Moses is ending one era to where provision had been made, sustaining had been made. They had been there. They had the supernatural there. So you can have the supernatural and just sustain. Are you, are you following me? And see, I contended for a supernatural church, but there was a period there where I was just sustaining. I was just keeping on, keeping on, rather than going in and possessing the land. And so you can have the supernatural in either kind. But God wants us to have a focus and a fix upon where we're going and how to get in there and what to do. So he begins to talk to him. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, all this people and the land which I do give unto them, even the children of Israel. Now, first thing that you've got to deal with is the fact that God has his people and he has his leaders. And that it's a personal thing. Moses, his leader, has died, but God speaks to Joshua. What's that speak to me? God wants to talk to me as a leader. God wants to talk and share with me. He wants to speak with me. Uh, if we're not careful, we have a tendency we want to get our, our, our directions and our leaders through other people because we don't have a confidence in ourselves many times to hear the voice of God. And there's where a lot of the intercessors get in and become the voice of God for folks. Okay? Uh, I, I remember one time the Spirit of the Lord... <laughs> Uh, was moving and uh, uh, Pat had called some couples down front to minister and one of the first thing uh, she grabbed the wife of one of those young men and said you're not the Holy Ghost and you're talking about getting somebody's attention right away you know uh, but yet that's what the wife had been trying to be to the husband and get the directions for him well 
what we've got to be, go back to is that God does speak to his men. And you can get orders from headquarters. God can talk to you, and you can hear the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So God's still speaking to his people today. He'll talk to his leadership, even as he was in this case. Now, he tells him, see, in, in, I want to I deal with four points. I want to talk to you about the person, the promise, the plan, and the protection. Okay? In the leadership. The person is first. He has his people, and he speaks to his leader. The place, God tells Joshua to cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. See, they had been wanting to go to the promised land a long time, but they'd just been maintaining and hadn't gotten into it. And he speaks of the place. Then he comes along and gives him the promise in verse 3. And he tells him every place that Joshua would walk would be given to him and the Israelites. Uh, what that speaks of is you can't go by the person who pastured before you. Uh, you can't go uh, by anyone else around. God has a personal word for you. And uh, we serve a personal God. He personally saved us. He personally filled us with his spirit. He's the one who's personally healed our bodies. He's the one who's personally prom pro uh, made provision for us and prospered us. And so therefore, he's going to personally direct you. And you've got to get it to where it's just that personal. And uh, thank God uh, I can have it confirmed through others. Uh, yes, it can be bolstered and reassured and reaffirmed inside of me, and, and I rejoice in that, but it should never take away of me hearing the voice of God myself as an individual. And I never want to come to that place to where that kind of burden was placed upon me. I, I have people under me that, that uh, respond to me, and uh, Brother Edwards is, is, is a part of that. But I, I don't want the personal burden and responsibility of getting all of his directions, you know what I mean, for his life. Uh, as a pastor, you should never want it for getting it for your people. Amen. And yet I'll guarantee you there'll be a bunch of them out there would love for you to do it. Amen. And see, this is how that, uh, that the excessiveness of discipleship and things like that come in. is because there's people out there who don't want to make decisions. And they would love for you to make all their decisions for them because then it takes the pressure off of them. And uh, we've got to go back and, and keep ourselves at that point where we're ready to hear from God as God's man. Being in God's place, but with his promise. And he said every place that Joshua would walk would be given to him and the Israelites. Well, that promise is real. In that promise, looking in verse 4, he begins to describe the place. The whole area would be given to the Israelites. And I guess really that one of the things that you need to see is God will give you the whole area that you're in. That he will give you that area. Whatever it is, God... And, and Now here's where... Uh, uh, we could deviate for just a moment and deal with something that's that's happening uh, And that is that in, in apostles an apostle is a sent one he sent to something and with something and uh, Without a, a clear understanding uh, An apostle can be sent to a city an apostle can be sent to a nation an apostle can be sent to an individual Okay to an individual and therefore uh, yes because they're sent to that individual they become their apostle okay it does become in that personal sense yeah that's god's apostle to me that i received personally now you can recognize other apostles and say hey they're in the body but that doesn't make them yours are you following me uh let's put it this way the bible talks about there are many teachers but not that many fathers and it enters into a relationship element okay and what we're looking at and what we're wanting in this organization is relationship and not from a standpoint of just gathering numbers. Not just from the standpoint of, of, 
uh, yeah, we want to help, but we want to help where it's sustaining and ongoing and, and not just some little slight thing, you know what I mean, that's passive. So uh, with, with realizing that God sends people to specific places to accomplish specific things because God is a very specific God, and we can see that in the ministry gifts that God will send you to a place. And when you function there, I'm thoroughly convinced that when we start understanding position or place, many things will, that will come in line. In fact, uh, sometime or another, uh, I, I, you need to hear me when I preach uh, four keys to power because one of the things that's discussed there is positioning. See, blessings only come by being at the right place. Okay? Blessings only come by being at the right place. And uh, God can build his plan off of people being at the right place. Uh, you can go back to the Old Testament. And there, were, there was a little woman that because she went to the well at a certain time every day, God could build his whole plan off of her. God could build his whole plan off of her. By being at the right place, God can build his plan. If he knows that he can, uh, you establish that he can count on you, that that is made real. So being at the place that God wants you to, and we need to ask God for great things in our area, in the place that we're in. We have not because we ask not, or we ask amiss. But Jeremiah 33, 3 tells us to ask for great things. And so we ought to ask for great things to happen in our ministry and where we're at. In verse 5, he gives the promise. And this, no man has any business going to the place without the promise. Are you listening? No man has any business going to the place without the promise. Because if you don't have that promise, you won't have anything to fall back on when the, when the trials come. Uh, the Lord helped me with something with Harrison House one time before I ever started he had given me the name told me to start it and many of the things that we would do but the Lord made a statement to me through mom and papa Goodwin through tongues and interpretation one day and the spirit of the Lord says make yourself to see and to believe that it is my will make yourself to see and to believe that it is my will now what's so important in that because if you ever question whether it's God's will or not you'll bail out on it You'll bail out on it. If you ever question for one moment it's God's will, you'll quit it just like that. But if you've made yourself to see and to believe it's God's will, you'll go through the storms. You'll stay with it. You'll hold steady. Now, why? You can be at the right place, but if you don't have that promise, you still won't stick it out. You still won't come into what God wants you to. Okay? For you to operate in the divine leadership, God wants you to. He wants you in that place, but he wants you with the promise. Now, that promise will produce certain things. And in that verse 5, you're going to see three things. Standing, stability, and surety. Standing. Bless God, we've got standing with God. And we can stand before God, honestly and boldly. In other words, he says, no man would be able to stand against Joshua. That means uh, no weapon that's going formed against you is going to prosper. You are going to make it. In fact, let me just uh, take a little side cut here. I just had to meet with one of our men from Canada. Several years ago, I sent two men to Canada, one to the West Coast, one to the East Coast. And the man in the East Coast had just made a move here recently to, uh, to relocate the offices and all because he had started, uh, what is it, seven churches in, in there in the last, uh, what, seven, eight years. And uh, making an impact, you know what I mean, just things are starting to happen. But strife got into one of the churches, well, actually two of the churches, and things begin to stir up and come against him. And he, he just drove in uh, last night and came in here to see me today to tell me that the government walked in with papers and confiscated all the things. And they're talking about bringing charges against him, you know, for fraud and 
and, and uh, all kinds of things. And that ultimately what they could do, they could throw him in jail. And they could close the corporations down. They could do all this kind of thing. So I had to step out while Pat was speaking and deal you know, with that uh, situation, get him and his wife's just a basket case. Okay? But what you've got to go back to is standing with God. If you got God's promise, you can stand. Okay? And even if you've made a mistake, in fact, thank God, you know, every one of us have made them. Okay? But see, sometimes we think it won't work because I did make a mistake. No, bless God, that's when you need it to work. It's because we have made the mistakes. Okay? Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And see, I, I, had, I, had, to, I had to sit him down and, and get, get him off the defensive, get him off the negative. And I had to, I had, I had to talk straight to him. I said, now, Larry, uh, even, even they talked about, you know, even if they didn't put him in jail, they could deport him, you know, send him out of the country. I said, well, son, let's say it comes to that. You and I are still together no matter what. And I said, we're going to go on yeah. no matter what. And I said, now, if we come along and find out you did wrong, I said, I'm going to sit you down and talk to you. He said, I know that. You know, I mean, we're going to talk, but I'm not going to beat him over the head. And see, I've watched right now because we don't have divine leadership in the church like we ought to. I've watched, I've watched people butcher one another in recent times, and particularly Jim Baker. You know, let me tell you something. You know, these people who feel like they got to go around and expose sin, huh? They got something wrong with them. I got news for you. Sin will expose itself. It looks both. In fact, if you look at the Bible, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. See? And, and there'll be an element here where we, we don't walk around trying to expose. Now, that doesn't mean we're like ostrich stick our head in the sand, you know what I mean, with the backside shining. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. Uh, we're going to face any issues that we've got to face. We're going to deal with whatever we've got to deal with. Okay, and, and correct and make the adjustments. But there is an attitude. What it, what it is, we got to be for something rather than against something. And people who are constantly running around against something, as far as I'm concerned, have some, have some problems. Well, we've got to become that divine leadership that God wants. And we've got to get in the place and have the promise and have that standing. And he says God would be with him, Joshua, just as he was with Moses. Now that speaks of stability to me that God's not a respecter of persons if he was with the other one he's going to be with you see and you've got to see that hey if God stood with all these other men and I think about David oh, amen. you know here's David I mean not only did he commit adultery he had somebody murdered huh and God has the gall and the audacity to say he's a man after his own heart are you listening? You know, I mean, where the world's, you know, I mean, the viewpoint they're taking, it can't be a, a godly viewpoint. Okay? It can't be. And, and, and we're not promoting sin. We're not promoting wrong. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that there's got to come to that place to where we have some standing, know where we stand with God, and develop that stability in us. That no matter if I make a mistake, no matter if I do fall, God's going to be with me. God's going to be with me. We've got to have that to be the person God wants us to be. And he said that he wouldn't forsake him. Now, that's surety. He wouldn't forsake him. See, right now, I think that's one of the things that Larry just wanted to sit down, look me in the eye, and hear the sound of my voice. See, right at that moment, he needed that surety. He needed that surety. 
And see, that was one of the things in talking to Jim Baker a couple of weeks ago, one of the things I found out in talking to him, there was no surety. There was no one who would sit down and talk to him and say, we're still with you. That's right. See, I'm talking about leadership, okay? A lot of the people out there would, but no leadership would. And uh, I'll just go ahead and forewarn you right now. There's a very good possibility, you know, that we're going to restore Jim Baker back. And it's going to put us in a certain spot. We're going to catch some flack for it. But as far as I'm concerned, it's the only Bible answer I have. It's the only Bible answer I have. I have no, I, I, I have no other way that I can go. I can't sidestep it. I can't go apart from it. I've got to restore it. Somebody said, yeah, but brother, you don't know what all he did. No, neither do you. But I'll guarantee you, I probably know more than you do. Okay? I've known him 23 years. And what I'm, what I'm saying is, no one's ever going to know everything there is about everyone. Okay? Hey, husbands and wives don't even know everything there is to know about one another. Let's, let's quit kidding ourselves, okay? Uh, let, let's get on to life that somewhere in this, with the promise of God, there's got to be these elements, and God's got to bring it forth by his body. There's got to be a surety somewhere that, hey, we're still going to be together when it's all over. Okay? Isn't that what makes a marriage? That no matter what you go through as husband and wife, that bless God, when it's all said and done, we're still going to be together? Amen. Well, we're one with Christ. <laughs> How can it be any other way? And when the body won't recognize that, then we're not walking in the divine leadership God intends for us to walk in. So, sure, uh, I got to thinking, well, what if our whole ministry is just made up for the down and outers? Those who've, you know, those who've gone to hell and back and made mistakes and what have you? Well, bless God. Let's go for it. You know what I mean? Well, what, what difference does that make? See, I can't. So when it comes to forgiving, I think we've got some things that we've, we've, we've well, the Bible said, you know, that you know, those who are spiritual, if someone's made a mistake, those who are spiritual are supposed to go to him and restore him. Okay, let, let, let's say that, that uh, we felt like we couldn't even do that. Okay. How about James when he said, if you see a brother sin a sin which is not a death, yeah. you forgive him. You get it for him. Yeah. Okay, so even if they're wrong, bless God, I'm still going to get it for them. Okay. We've got to go on in this somehow. Okay. And, and, and sure, I realize the pressures come. Uh, well, it's just like... Uh, What's his name there in Sweden? Ulf Ekman. Uh, see, right now, they're, they're talking about, uh, because of the stand that he's taken for uh, training up the children and correcting them, that legally they're going to throw him in jail because he's teaching his people that that's the Bible answer. Okay? And he could wind up in jail over it. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I, I think is interesting uh, is the fact a lot of times we prayed for certain things to happen and, uh, you know, for some of the, the supernatural things and all. But you start operating in the supernatural, it brings a certain amount of persecution. Amen. You know? Amen. And you're going to really find out whether you really believe that you've been praying or not. Because <laughs> you're going to get confronted with some things. Hey? But I think we've got to get down to what do we really believe. Do we really believe God? Do we have the standing? Do we have the surety? See, is, is, is the stability there? Well, in verse 6 and 7, you get into another part, and that's personality. 
And in that, he says, be strong and of good courage. He's talking about strength here. It's time to be strong. But the key for us is this, is to be strong in the Lord. See, so many of us, we've been trying to be strong within ourselves. See, and what it comes from is that humanistic teaching that floats in without us even being aware of it. Okay, the humanistic element comes in, you know, well, brother, you got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You ain't got that big of boots. Okay, straps ain't that strong. Okay, we got people come along. I'm a self-made millionaire. There ain't no such animal. It's God that gives you power to get wealth. See, in this fallacy of this humanistic element that constantly comes in, that we can do everything, okay? Uh, everything is a self-help, okay? It's contrary to the Word. And we've got to start seeing. Say, so, well, brother, aren't we supposed to help ourselves? Yeah, but it's the Word that changes us. Okay, it's the Spirit of God working in us that does it. Yeah, we have to be willing for it. Our part is to get willing, Okay? But it'll take the word and the spirit to make the alterations. Okay? And we've got to allow that to flow and affect us. So he's dealing with strength. He's dealing with soundness. Because he says, be of good courage. In other words, don't lose heart. For you to walk in the leadership God wants you to, you've got to be the person. You've got to have the promise. God has to affect your personality with strength and soundness. But verse 7 speaks of something else, and that's service. If you're not willing to serve, you can't be a good leader. Amen. If you're not willing to serve, you can't be a good leader. In other words, continue in the ways, following and serving God in his ways, what he wants you to do. Now, we've dealt with promise, our person, we've dealt with promise. Now, verse 8 gives us the plan. We preach faith from this all the time. We talk about success. But in this, I have found certain things that are, that are in this plan to me that, that a lot of faith teaching hasn't brought out. One is attitude. And I see that when it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Why? Because his words are a guide to us, and his word will affect your attitude. But your attitude to say, This word's not going to depart out of my mouth, I have to have an attitude toward the word before that can be effective. That attitude... I know the Lord said this to me one time. He said, son, the attitude you operate with will determine the altitude you fly to. The attitude you operate with. I'm thoroughly convinced that if I always keep my attitude right, everything else has a way of lining up. Somewhere along the way, if I can keep my attitude right. But boy, when my attitude gets bad, we're in trouble. Because when my attitude gets bad, I'm going to say something that I regret. And who I say it to will probably regret it too. You know? So we'll have a whole room full of regrets. And, and, and frustration sets in. Why? Because I lost it in attitude. It says, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That's an affection. The only way you want to spend day and night with something is if you have an affection toward it. You know? Remember when you first fell in love? You didn't want the other one out of your sight. You want to be with them day and night. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that affection was there. But what happened somewhere along the way? Well, the same thing's true with the Word. See, we start out with an affection for the Word, but do we keep it? You've got to have the right attitude, and you have to have an affection for it. Okay. 
See, if we're not careful, in particular, Word of Faith people have gotten very legalistic about the Word. They have gotten legalistic. You know? They don't want to acknowledge it, don't even want to admit it. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of Word of Faith people that's going to, they're not going to make this next move. Yeah. Okay? They're, not, they're not even going to be in it. Yeah. Remember, there, there's three kinds of people in the world. People that make things happen, people that watch things happen, and people who wondered what happened. <laughs> and a bunch of them are going to be in the wondering state. They're going to wonder what happened. Oh, I'm a faith man. What happened? Now, what makes this move different than all the others? Because all the others were started and led by man. You go back to the healing wave, or Roberts led the way. Oh, there was others in on it, but he led the way. You come to the charismatic wave, Demas Shakarian. He led the wave. You take the word of faith wave, Brother Hagen led the way. What makes this one different? The Holy Ghost is going to lead this one. See? And ain't no man going to get no glory for it. And the beautiful part about this is we can all ride this one. Hey, those that want to, they can get in on it. It's important for us to be that. Third, there's acceptance of it. That thou mayest observe to do. When it says observe to do, it means to be able to see to do. See, the reason many people don't do is because they can't see. They can't see how to do it. That's why when you understand, hear, see, do. Because when you hear it, you see how to do it, then you can go do it. See, we tell people all the time, be a doer of the word, be a doer of the word, be a doer of the word. But if they don't see how to do it, they can't do it. And the reason they don't see is because they don't hear. So you can back it up to order every time. Okay? I'm thoroughly convinced God is the most organized individual you're ever going to find on planet Earth. Okay? And thank God he's here manifesting himself in Earth. Also, it's going to have an effect. Keeping his word brings success. So in the plan, you have to have attitude, the right attitude toward the plan. And see, if you're not careful, God can give you a plan, but you'd be bent all out of shape at it. Not like it. Okay? And you're going to have to adjust your attitude. I don't mind telling you, one of the biggest adjustments I had to make in attitude is when God changed my plan. Okay? Yeah. And if I'd paid attention, it was there in his plan all along. But see, somewhere along the way, it became mine, and I put my own implications to it rather than his. Let me, let me illustrate it for you. See, in November of 77, the Lord spoke to me. He said, go back to Tulsa, start a family church, charismatic teaching center, and reach the world. See? Well, I went back. I started FCF. Thank God we've got it today. 321 churches, almost 1,200 ministers, started over 50 Bible schools. God's blessing. I mean, we're, we're taking on more things all the time. We've got the children's home now. You know? I mean, all kinds of things are happening. Glory be to God. But see, God got to dealing with me that I had to leave the church. And see, in my mind, I was supposed to stay there because I told the Lord, you know, when he told me what to do, I thought that's going to take 25 years right there. And I was thoroughly convinced I was supposed to stay there. But see, that's another thing that took his, made it so hard on me is an apostle is always starting something. See, he has a hard time. He'll get it up and get it going, then he's got to turn it over to someone. Are you listening? See, it becomes very difficult just by the calling itself, okay, to stay situated in one thing. The very nature of the calling itself won't allow you to. But yet, hey, the people love me. 
and I let the people hang on to me. And they'd cry, oh, pastor, whatever you do, don't leave. And it just about break my heart, and i just hold on. And I actually stayed too long as a local pastor. I actually stayed too long. Hey? And it like to destroy me in the process. And see, the other thing was I didn't pay attention to what he said. He said, start a family church, not be there the rest of my life. Are you hearing me? He said, start a family church. Hey? He didn't tell me to be there. He said, start it. And yet, if I'd paid attention to the plan, I'd have been all right. But somewhere along the way, I developed my own plan. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.